And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks podcast on the Athletic Network. Got the whole squad here today for a special episode of No Dunks. I'm J.E. Skeets, rolling with the homie, Tass Mellis. What's up, everybody? What's up, Tass? Got my top shot hot boy, Trey Kirby. hey yo. Hey yo! The international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And finally, the man making the magic happen, it's J.D. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Guys, keep sending in your questions and your comments for Beach Steppin Podcasts all summer long. Email them in, nodunks at theathletic.com. And, uh, oh yeah, go grab your No Dunks merch if you haven't done that yet. Over at nodunks.com, got the t-shirts and the hoodies and the shorts and the mugs. So many immaculate items available for sale over at nodunks.com. But, like I said, we got a special episode here on No Dunks today. Lee Ellis is in charge because, Lee, you came to us, you said, guys... I think I got a top 10 brewing, uh, like your coffee machine that takes forever. <laughs> this one's been percolating for a while here, basically since the finals, Lee, and uh, you, uh, I guess, have completed the list and you're ready to go. We don't even really know what the heck we're talking about here today. What's your top 10 list, mate? Yeah, so this one comes after the Milwaukee Bucks were crowned 2021 NBA championships because no title is won without a little bit of luck along the way. And in the mm-hmm. Bucks' case, especially in that second round, they got lucky. James Harden injures his hamstring 43 seconds into game one. Kyrie Irving hurts his ankle in game four. And even Kevin Durant's giant toe all had a little helping hand in the Bucks getting out of that second round, okay? Yeah. Now... In the conference finals, the Bucks had their own injury issues because Giannis went down with what, which what looked like a potentially season-ending injury, and he was even listed as questionable right up until game one of the finals. Still, he played, but they were in a hole, down 0-2, and it didn't look good. They rattle off four straight wins, win the series and the championship, and you know what? That's all that really matters. Mm-hmm. So... I dug a little deep here into NBA history. I didn't go super deep. I didn't go back to the start of time for NBA basketball. I went back (laughs) to when I really started becoming a fan in those sort of mid-80s there. Uh, And I tried to compile a list of 10 unlikeliest NBA championships. Now, these teams, you didn't have to be a dark horse all season long and then come home in the finals or the playoffs and win it. In some cases, you were, but it wasn't a requirement. What was a requirement, though, was that at any point during the season, the odds were pretty heavily stacked against you or in the playoffs. 
Okay. Or the team just didn't look good. And Tassie, I might need you to confirm some playoff percentages at various points here. So, uh, <laughs> oh boy, so be ready if you can. Just if you can, fly. yeah, just off the. <laughs> and you're going to have to sort of uh, go back in time as well and see what the percentages were. <laughs> but anyway, what do you mean uh, playoff percentage. Yeah. Well, you know, series win. Like, what what is likely to happen when a series is at a certain point in a? Oh, in a, oh. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. okay about sure. This. Yeah. Exactly. I'll, exactly. I'll get no, the model no. fired up. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, look, it might not. Necessarily have been just trailing in the playoffs. So maybe it was a coaching change or a major upheaval uh, that they overcame or happened throughout the season. Okay. Okay. Now, so hold on. You're basically just going to piss off uh, ten fan bases on this show, right? Uh, you're going to be saying, "Hey, you won the champion." Yeah. Should, yeah. But yeah, should you have? Uh, yeah, I think it's technically only nine because oh, one team's okay. in there twice. But uh, but oh, yeah, 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 twice. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to piss a lot of fans off here. But uh, listen, <laughs> lean into it. You guys remember when I did the biggest three point shots in? NBA history, I didn't want to put my personal bias into it. I wanted a formula to really work out oh, yeah. what was the most important shot in NBA history. So I've done the same thing for this, and I've compiled five different categories, okay. and I've given them all three different like subcategories with points. Okay, And then at the end, after I give you each top 10 team, yeah. we're going to let the formula decide where they fall in line. Wow. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. okay. I mean, so this is the first that's science. Yeah. It is science. It's not. It's not any bias at all from me. Okay. <laughs> so, so don't get angry at me, fans. Get angry okay. at the formula. The first yeah. one is the franchise history of the team. Okay. They get okay. one point if it's a good team with a history of winning championships or at least making the finals. Okay. They get two points if they've had some success along the way, but some lean years in there too. You know, sometimes, like for example, the Golden State Warriors didn't make the playoffs for a long time. But then all of a sudden, we're the greatest team of all time. So yeah, yeah you'll see how that fits along. And then, um, and then there's also just not a franchise you automatically think of with winning titles. You don't just go, oh, that team's been great forever. You know, maybe they got lucky along the way. Okay, that's okay. group. That's group one. Gotcha. Group two. Now, this is a preseason feel. What I remember going into the season. Okay? It's very scientific. Very scientific, right? One point if you have some optimism but still a long shot. Yep. Two points if you'd sort of have to talk yourself into them going all the way. And three points if they had no legit shot at the start of the season. Oh, I love this already. Okay, this is fantastic. <laughs> Number three, obstacles that they overcame during the season or playoffs. Number one, normal injury... Or point one, number, uh, normal injury stuff but nothing major. Two points if you look dead during the season or the playoffs at some point. And number three, if you overcame a significant injury to a key player. Okay. 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 Number four, group number four, is the star power on that team. Like, did you look at this team and go, well, yeah, they should have been competing. They should have been contending. They had a lot of players on that team. You get one point if you had enough stars that you should have been a contender. Okay. Two points if you had one franchise ultra, but not a whole lot after that. Three points if it was a who's who of nobodies. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, tough. Tough that last one. You don't want that last I get, one. I get your, your, the thinking is like the teams that usually win the title have the superstars, the elite players. One, usually more than one. Two, usually. three. Okay. That yeah, makes sense. yeah, but not always. Not always. Not always. Okay. And, not always. Uh, and the last category here is playoff difficulty. Okay. So what did you have to do in the playoffs? Home Ooh. court advantage throughout. That's only one point. You know, you yep. obviously were a good team. Number two, you had a tough path and you battled through. Maybe you had some ga- uh, series on the road. Maybe you had some at home. And number three, you get three points if you had to win big on the road. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean uh, one game. Maybe it's a whole series. Maybe it was more than one series. Or maybe you just had to close out the series on the road. Okay? Okay. Okay. So, so at the end of it all, it sounds like it's possible that 
the most unlikeliest NBA champion, according to you, slash science, will be a team that has 15 points. They would be scoring somehow threes across the board in all five of these that's, groups. Categories. That's the maximum you could return. Okay. Yes, okay. yes. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how the science adds up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this does sound more scientific than most of your rubrics yeah. you come up with. Uh, aside of the from the one, the second point. This is more of a feel. Yeah, well, that one's a bit of a stretch, but uh, you know, some people say there is an art to science. There right? is, like, and yeah. yes, and, and look, I'll, I'll be honest. I had to make sure there was enough categories there that if I needed to put my foot on the scale at some point, I could as well. Oh, okay. So yeah. anyway, anyway. Yeah, anyway. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's start with a bang of Mike Breen proportions. I'm going with the 1988 Los Angeles Lakers. What's that? You say, how could the defending champions possibly be an unlikely champion the very next season? Well, I'll tell you why. Because history wasn't on the Lakers side. No team had repeated as NBA champion since the Boston Celtics almost 20 years ago. And the Lakers, after a grueling regular season, were about to play another 24 games in order to win. And the Lakers themselves had three earlier tries in that decade of the 80s and failed each time. Most notably in 1986 when they didn't even get back to the finals. They were upset by the Houston Rockets in the Mm -hmm. conference finals. Now they were an aging team. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was near the end. And if you just wondered if maybe the Showtime Lakers from all those other playoff uh, series that had during the 80s, maybe this one would catch up to them because they're going up against the Detroit Pistons who are hungry and really, really desperate for a title themselves. Now, what made it also tough for the Lakers is they won three game sevens in one playoff run and no team had had to do that before them, right? And no one mm-hmm. since the 1978 Washington Bullets over Seattle had come back from being down 1-0 in the finals and 3-2 in the finals before winning in game seven. So the Lakers were in trouble. It, and there's no question about it. They were in trouble in the finals. Now, uh, before they got to the finals, they had to take on the Utah Jazz. That went seven games. And the Dallas Mavericks. That went seven games. And then they opened after only a two or three day break at home against the Detroit Pistons, who were pretty rested and ready to go. And it showed. In game one, the Pistons won easily. They That was a real shock to the Lakers. It was like, okay, All those games are starting to add up. They've been to the finals a lot. The Pistons haven't been there. The Pistons have had to overcome a lot of uh, playoff heartbreak themselves during the 80s, especially Isaiah Thomas. And now it just felt like the Pistons were were ready to to get the championship. Anyway, Lakers bounce back, win game two and three. Uh, Game three was in Detroit, but then they dropped four and five also both in Detroit. This was the old 2-3-2 format. So the Mm -hmm. Lakers had to come home and win six and seven uh, to repeat. Was not looking good in game six. The Lakers survived one of the all-time great performances by Isaiah Thomas. You you guys all know, I'm sure, 43 points. But he injured his ankle there in that third quarter, about halfway through. And uh, Isaiah battled through. And he was still fantastic in the game. Had 25 points in that third quarter. But it was a very, very close game. And then late, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Lakers trailing by one. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar goes for a skyhook. Gets a very generous call. Foul call on uh, Bill Lambier. <laughs> Goes to the free throw line, knocks him in. They go on to hang on to win that game by one point. And then game seven, you know, Isaiah's hobbling in. I'm sure yeah. you've also seen that on the crutches. Leg hev- or his ankle heavily bandaged there. Uh, he tries to give it a go in that first half. But in the second half, Isaiah can barely even run. Uh, and he barely even plays. Even still, the Pistons make a game of it. The Lakers do hang on to win, though. They win by three points and win the championship. They go back-to-back first time, as I say, in 20 years for a team to do that. And uh, that was 
you know, look, they, the Lakers had to overcome in that series basically a team that stole home court advantage. And even uh, when the Lakers had a chance there back in game six, it still looked like the Pistons were going to win. If Isaiah doesn't injure his ankle, honestly, I think the Pistons win that series. Mm. I think they were too much. So the Lakers, let's okay. go and check. Let's go and check the science. All right. <laughs> okay. First bracket, franchise history. Well, look, they only get one point because they started yeah. as defending champs and obviously they have a history of winning titles. Uh, number two, the preseason field. Well, they entered as favourite, but again, history wasn't on their side, so they only get one Ooh. point. They only okay. get one point for that, okay? Because again, no team, the teams, the, the great teams that like the Boston Celtics. Remember, some say the '86 Celtics were the best team ever. They couldn't repeat. So right. Right. back then, repeating was very, very difficult. Yeah, that's the interesting part. I mean, after this, it feels like almost every three years somebody's repeating. You know, well, funny, the- funny you should say that, Skeetsy. I'll get to that a little bit later on. <laughs> uh, the, the obstacles that they had to overcome in the playoffs. You know what? They didn't really have to come overcome any significant injuries, but they did have to win, again, three consecutive seven-game series and and trail twice, as I said, in the finals. That's usually, Tassie, I don't know if you have the numbers there, but the team 3-2 <laughs> yep. up, 3-2 yep. up. Uh, what are the chances the 3-2 team usually goes on to win the finals? Well, I would say it's more likely, you know, back in the 2-3-2 format when you had two home games mm-hmm. to finish off a series in six and seven. Since it went 2-2-1-1-1, I guess the Lakers did that in 2010, I do believe against the Boston Celtics down three two. That must no. Have been I think two, that one, was one. I think that was, was still two three two then. Was it? I believe so. Yeah, because even I remember the oh Spurs, they changed it later. You're right. Yeah, the Spurs and yeah. the Heat was the last one I think that went two three two in twenty. Okay. Thirteen or fourteen. So yeah. I don't think a team has done that. The, the Cavs did three one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I guess no other team has done since we moved to the 2-3-2. I did pull up a quick list. Teams that have come back from 3-2. Lakers beat the Celtics 2010. The Rockets beat the Knicks mm-hmm. after being down 3-2 yep. in 94. Mm-hmm. The Lakers, you just said, and then we're going back probably a little bit before your feel, before you cared about basketball. We're going <laughs> yes. to so it's seven, rare. Right? 70s and It's very rare. It's again. very yeah. rare. Yeah. And, and again, they, they won by combined four points in those two games, the Lakers. So that just shows you how close it was. Right. Uh, star power. Again, they only get one point for this. They had three all-stars on that team and they had the all-star coach uh, in 1988 there and Pat Riley. They had James Worthy, Kareem and Magic. So Who is the MVP this season? I assume Jordan. Was he? Of the 1988 season, Jordan oh, season? was. Yeah. Yes, okay. but uh, seven per game that season. Oh yeah, okay. That's Actually, he was only 35. It was the 37 oh, okay. yeah, was the sure. one before. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but James Worthy was the Damn. Finals MVP, <laughs> having, the, uh, <laughs> having the having uh, the James Worthy his, uh, science score here. <laughs> James Worthy had the huge game seven, 36 points, Finals MVP, um, and then the well, playoff. What were his numbers? Not so juicily as I as I look at this. James. What do you mean? Well, in James, game seven, his Finals MVP numbers overall. Uh, probably about 23 a game, I'm guessing. Yeah, um, just 22, 7, and 4. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, his, only, his only ever triple-double was in that game 7 yeah. of the finals. Uh, and playoff difficulty, they also only get one point because they did have home court, and that pretty much is what saved them, I think, especially in the finals. Again, some of those calls in game 6 and 7 were very generous to the Lakers. So, mm. they only get five points. In summary, oh. not all that unlikely, all things considered. But history wasn't on their side, and perhaps fatigue wasn't on their side. So, you know, that's why they come in here at number 10. Okay. 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 Uh, a quick question. Yes. Just, uh, you guys were talking about the finals format changing 2-3-2 to obviously the 2-2-1-1-1. Um, did you 
put any more weight into back in the day when it was only a best of five in the first round? Uh, <laughs> or no? Not, not so much. The first okay. round, you can Just sort curious. of survive. But that does play a factor into one of the teams. So, oh, uh, yeah, we'll get to it. Okay. Fantastic. I can't believe I'm going to say this so early. I'm glad we've got the rubric, Lee. Because if I'm looking <laughs> at the Lakers, 1988, three championships in four years, they go into the playoffs with the best record in the entire NBA. You're thinking, this is not an unlikely championship at all. But when you spell it out, all the Game yeah. 7 victories, and they did have to get a little luck with Isaiah Thomas going down with an ankle injury, the science, it adds up, <laughs> Lee. It literally amazing. adds up. Unbelievable. <laughs> one for one so far. I hope yeah. I could uh, I maintain that say, consistency. I was going to say, we're off to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what happens here at number nine, because I'm going with the 1999 San Antonio Spurs. They were a good team. Tim Duncan was on his way up, not truly elite just yet, but clearly he was going to be a star. And David Robinson was at the other side, you know, Mm -hmm. probably past his best years, but still a very, very good player. And just two seasons prior, the San Antonio Spurs finished with a 20-62 and record. Now they finish the shortened 50-game season, 37-13 record. Projected out, that's around 61-62 wins. So they basically flipped it within two seasons by tanking that one season in 97 to get Tim Duncan. Mm -hmm. But... They didn't enter that season as favorite. Uh, they were third in the West behind the Lakers and the Jazz. Now, remember, of course, Michael Jordan uh, had retired again for the second time. So uh, the Bulls were not the favorite. Uh, but in what a, 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 in a sign of what was to come with the San Antonio Spurs, they had the best defensive rating that season. Right. Now... Uh, the San Antonio Spurs, obviously, as I said, led there sort of by that Duncan um, and, uh, and and Tim uh, Duncan Robinson. and David Robinson sort of combination. But they also got very, very uh, lucky because they had to beat the number eight seeded New York Knicks in the finals. The Knicks, mm-hmm. of course, had the big upset in that first round uh, against the Miami Heat. So... You know, when you look at this one, you sort of think like the Spurs, it was a shortened season. Jordan wasn't there. It was kind of up for grabs. And then in the finals, they actually go up against a team that was probably pretty lucky to be there. Even though the Knicks battled hard, they won a game, but the Spurs won that championship. Is this one of those championships people look at and just sort of go... Yeah, they won it, but we sort of forget about that season because there was it was so short yeah, and it was sure. kind of the post-Jordan season. So, yeah, yes. so that's why they slot in here at number nine. Okay. Now let's see let let's see what the science says here. Or any questions there, Tess? Well, I, I just it is it is it's dumb. But yes, it's a meh championship. If there's a descriptor for it, it's M E H. It's a meh championship, which is it's nuts because they were the best team that year considering the circumstances. But yeah, people just kind of toss it aside because it's not normal. It just wasn't a normal season, as you put. That's that's the problem. But I'm looking forward to the science and, and what okay. we get to here. Well, the science. Uh, so, number one, franchise history. They get two points because they'd had some success as far as making the playoffs, uh, but hadn't obviously won the championship at this point. But they were a regular playoff performer. So, they get mm-hmm. two points there. Uh, preseason feel. Again, who had really a feel for this one? So, I let the uh, I let the preseason odds, as I dug them out, tell me the, tell me what they said. And they were third favorite overall, but they're actually third favorite in the West behind the Lakers and the Jazz. So, you know. They were considered somewhat of a long shot there. Uh, a long shot? You think that's a long shot? Well, I'm just like saying, the like they, they weren't even. Yeah, but they weren't favourite to come out. They, I, I think. I think a lot of people thought this was the Jazz is finally. You know, they were going right. to get through without Jordan. Right. And again, that was the Lakers now with uh, Shaq and Kobe into their like second or third season there. So um, it was their second season, I guess. Anyway, um, 
Uh, what did they have to overcome? <sighs> Nothing major. I mean, in a shortened season, 50 games, they had 10 guys who played 44 games or more. So they had a pretty pretty good run there. Uh, the star power. Well, I did give them only a one for this one because Tim Duncan was what already... What did you grade the other ones that you were flying through there? What, what, what score did you throw? Uh, two, oh, sorry, didn't I say? I said two, no. two points, two points, one point, and then okay. one point again okay. here for, uh, for the star power. Okay. And then the playoff difficulty, I mean, they had home court all the way. They only lost two games the entire playoff run. They went eight yeah, and one on the road. They in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. I think they lost their second game too. That was against the Timberwolves in the first round, seven and one at home. So... It wasn't all that tough for them in the end. In, in a season that we kind of just dismiss, they get seven points. Uh, the Jordan Jordanless season, the second time, the title was up for grabs. They dominated throughout, and they got the championship. So well done. But um, yeah, yeah. How, how, did, how, how did they run through that playoff run and and destroy the Wolves? Yeah, three one. They swept the Lakers. What happened in that Lakers series? Yeah, that Lakers that series. series. No, no, that was, uh, again, that was a big upset, really, that they swept them because uh, the Lakers had Shaq uh, and Kobe, but they just, uh, I think it was Del Harris was the coach at the time there, and they just basically got outplayed. I think it was that Spurs defense that, uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, kind of locked up Shaq, and uh, I think Phil Jackson came in the next season because the Lakers were like, how come we're not winning with Shaq by now? We should be winning, (laughs) and they weren't able to, so... uh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was, just to correct you, that was their third season together, the Lakers there, Kobe and Shaq. Oh, yeah, 96 uh, nights. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you, but you're right about uh, locking it up. First two games in that series when the Spurs swept the Lakers, 87-81 and 79-76. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you just wait. You just wait until you <laughs> see what else Duncan happened. Duncan was awesome in that series. Yeah, too, he was. Against he Shaq. Was. Yeah. Okay, uh, number eight. I'm going with the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, this one is heavily focused, obviously, on what happened in the finals because it wasn't really a surprise that LeBron and the Cavs got back there. This time, he had a healthy Kyrie uh, and Kevin Love, and they were easily the best team in the Eastern Conference, but they were going up against the Warriors, who had just made history by winning 73 games, and they seemed unbeatable. Now, Steph Curry got a little bit of an injury there in what that, that first uh, first round, but it still felt like the, the Warriors were just the better team. Now, we obviously all watched the finals, but I was in Oakland for those first two games, and seeing the Cavs get uh, destroyed in Game 2 by 33 points, I was like, this one's a sweep. They are not even going to get close. Cavs did win Game 3, Warriors won Game 4, and they were going home, of course, to close out the series, but... I remember when we were all traveling there for the finals, of course, Tass went to game five. I confidently said to my wife before game five, don't worry. She was pregnant, heavily pregnant at the time. Don't worry. (laughs) I'm not going on the road anymore. Don't worry. The the Warriors are going to close this out in five. Because I was scheduled to go to game six uh, in Cleveland if necessary. Around about midnight after game five, I uh, crept into our room and realized I had to start packing awkwardly. <laughs> oh, my God. Because you were leaving the next day. I was leaving yeah. in the morning, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure I got the email from our uh, talent coordinator almost immediately. Like, you booked on this flight. And I was like, oh, my God. So uh, I had to tell my wife, uh, yeah, I'm going to Cleveland for business for a few days here. <laughs> business. <laughs> uh, but even still, even still, taking away that side, of it i still felt the warriors are going to regroup here and they're going to close out this in six probably i think they were favorite going into that game but of course they lost they got really pounded in game six they forced the game seven and no team of course this is where history really was on the golden state warriors side because no one had come back to win game seven uh, uh, from being three one down certainly not on the road 
And, I mean, where do you want to go from here? Two of the biggest plays we've ever seen. Obviously, LeBron's monster block on Andre Iguodala. Kyrie's sidestep three that basically won the game in the end there for the Golden State for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And still, I mean, that just like was that, – that one championship of LeBron's, I think – is still bigger than any of those other three uh, that he's won two with Miami and one there with the Lakers. This one was just huge for LeBron. He did so much in those game five, six, and seven, the comeback. Now, obviously, there was a little bit of luck on their side. Draymond Green got suspended. Andrew Bogut gets injured. But still, they had to go and win that game. And it came down to those basically last couple of plays, and LeBron's hands were all over them. The fact that he passed to Kyrie Irving and said, you can do it, you know, he, he, uh, he, he made that right call there. So, uh, I've got them in here, but I also have them ranked pretty lowly because you've got LeBron James, the second greatest player of all time. So, right. and had already, that, like, he just goes to the finals every year, even at this point still. And it would exactly. continue. Yeah. Exactly. But, but again, the, the way that yeah. I tried to sort of structure this was like, they weren't going to do it. I don't think anyone after game two, no. certainly after game four, thought that the uh, Cavs were going to do it. I didn't. Um, yeah, so, I yeah. went to game four. I came home. I was excited to celebrate with a lemon harito. So I'm finally having me a pop after this. The season's over. Let's celebrate. Oh, wait, Laura, you're also heavily pregnant. You think I should fly completely across the country to go see game seven? Yeah, you should. It's only going to happen once in your lifetime. You've already got one kid. This is the second one. Might as well right. go. Sure. Yeah, she was born a few weeks late anyways. Thanks, Ada. Perfect. Perfect. Well, what a great experience you got for that game. And then what a great video you gave us as well, Trey, in the locker room after the game there with uh, Kyrie and everyone. Kyrie gave us a great shout out. That's uh, still one of, I think, one of our most watched videos of all time because it was uh, such a great celebration there. Great times. Yeah. All right. Well, and, and I'll just jump in uh, as yeah. well because the, the narrative and what it was when the Cavs were down 3-1, when LeBron was you know staring down the barrel of... Uh, you know, losing this championship, just having only won two before that. And a lot of NBA experts, like real NBA experts, grizzled vets that have been around watching him go down 3-1, just kind of thought LeBron just didn't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. And and that he was at this point of his career where he didn't have a quote-unquote finishing move, a sitting there in game five with uh, some of the the brightest minds who just thought, this could be LeBron at the end, uh, basically, like <laughs> on his decline. And then, uh, yeah, the, the thing, things changed a Oops. lot. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But the well, Draymond Green suspension is a huge part of this. Huge, finals, of huge. course. I yeah. mean, if he plays in game five, do they win? Who knows? But uh, and that was all because of LeBron, too. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, triggering the flagrant on Draymond that then put him over the uh, number that you uh could only go to to then trigger the suspension. It's amazing. Yeah, but it's also incredible. Draymond put himself in that spot of course, by, by yeah. kicking everyone else in the nuts in the yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the series and, uh, against the Thunder. Just like chucked Michael Beasley, Beasley right? I the think yeah. uh, against one. the Rockets for yeah. no reason. Yeah. yeah, just no reason. Okay, yes. so the science says yep. here uh, franchise history. They get one point because uh, you know a good team with a history of winning championships. Obviously, they haven't won a championship, but they've been to the finals just the year before. And of course, LeBron had them there in two thousand and seven. So they only get one point for that uh, preseason fear. Well, I think you know the Warriors again after winning it the year before were the favourite. Could the Cavs do it? Yeah, sure. But I think it was still the Warriors' championship to lose. And of course, throughout the season, the Warriors 
were unbeatable for going 73 and 9. So uh, I give them two points for that because yeah, you'd have, you would have you sort of had to talk yourself into the Cavs being able to do it. Uh, obstacles they had to overcome, well, they looked completely dead. They get two points here because they looked completely dead after two games and four games of the finals, uh, and they came back from that. The star power, well, I mean, that's, that's obviously only one point because they had LeBron James and Kyrie and Kevin, but LeBron gives them only one point. And then the playoff difficulty, well, I mean, they had to win big on the road, sure, uh, but they also had home court everywhere else. So they only get two points for that one. I mean, you could have given three maybe, but again, I had to sort of, you know, massage these points a little to fit them all in here. So they finished there with uh, eight points. Um, And again, it was really all about what happened in the finals. Nothing really to do with their season there. Mm. Okay, so what the, the total points was what? Eight points. They, they eight had eight points. points. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So if I've got my math correct so far, they uh, the Spurs had seven, the Lakers five, and the Cavs with eight. Okay. Okay. This Go one's ahead. kind of a weird one because, like you're saying, the Cavaliers are the second best team in the league that year, uh, and they've got LeBron, so you can't really say super unlikely. But on the other hand, they came back from down 3-1 against the team that had just won 73 games. Yeah. So if you're talking about the last seven games of the season, this could be number one, perhaps. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, throw in the LeBron factor and everything that we've seen from his career. It's just a tricky one to grade. That's why we got mm-hmm. the rubric. <laughs> did, did, they, did they gain points or were they docked points for having uh, beaten the Raptors? Uh, in a 2-2 series there in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, well, see, that that's why their playoff difficulty wasn't all that tough oh, because yeah. LeBron just kind of dismissed it as like, nah, this yeah, is not so- this is not even a series, he was like no. basically saying. so. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, number seven here. We're going back to uh, the 1994 Houston Rockets because the first Jordan retirement really threw that season open. The Suns, the Jazz looked good in the West, and of course it was the Knicks in the East or the Cavs as their favorite. The New York Knicks, I think, were probably the favorite entering that season because they'd lost three straight seasons to the Bulls. And I had this feeling that like those battles against Chicago probably toughened them up to the point where it was a bit like Jordan when he finally overcame the Pistons. It was like, okay, the Knicks now without Jordan there, there's no one that can stop them. And uh, Akeem and the Rockets had been a good team making the playoffs, but hadn't really done a whole lot of damage. And also you wondered if the Rockets were kind of going to move on from Akeem Olajuwon. He'd demanded a trade a few years earlier. They they almost traded him, and it didn't come through. Anyway, you sort of just wondered how much longer they were going to go on there and, and, and maybe cash in on their star. And the playoffs were crazy that year because it was the top-seeded Sonics who blew that 2-0 lead over the Nuggets in the best-of-five first-round series. But here here's where it gets really uh, big for the Houston Rockets because in the second round, they fell in a hole. They had a 20-point fourth-quarter leader at home of Game 2 
against the Phoenix Suns, but they dropped games one and two in uh, Houston. So they were heading to Phoenix. The Suns team, of course, made the finals the season before and had won 13 games in a row at home. But that's when Akeem Olajuwon and the Rockets really turned it around. They managed to get back into a 2-2 series. They went up 3-2 in that series. And eventually, they lost Game 6, but they won Game 7. And that's where the uh, nickname Clutch City was born. Because uh, the Houston Chronicle, I believe it was, had the newspaper headline that was Choke City after those first two games in the series. It looked like the Rockets had, had you know, completely uh, made a mess of it. So they come back from 2-0 down at home and win in 7. And then they face... The Utah Jazz, a team that's like, if you remember in the 90s, you know, the Jazz, I think it was 91, was it? And 1989, they lost in the first round. But but now it was kind of also like Carl Malone and John Stockton were basically in their peak powers. And it was like, this is a tough team. But the Rockets won in five games in that series. And there was even a, uh, a, a dodgy uh, shot, clock, shot clock timekeeper incident. I think it was in game five there. <laughs> The Jazz shot clock. The Jazz needed a basket. He didn't even start the shot clock for eight seconds. But the Rockets managed to win that game. So move uh, to the finals now. And the Knicks basically have done everything they needed to do. They've gotten to the finals. They didn't have home court advantage because the Rockets did have a uh, 58-game win season that season. But uh, the Knicks stole game two. So they did sort of steal home court advantage. And they famously led 3-2 after game five, heading to Houston. Tassie, I know you've got the percentages there from 1994. <laughs> we must be about 85, 86% here. I was looking and, at about 86.6, yeah. Right, yeah, so there you go. And uh, now, I mean, game six, of course, is huge because John Stock, uh, John uh, Starks, if he gets this shot off, it's a three-pointer, the Knicks down by two, maybe the Knicks win the championship. Maybe they do. But instead, Akeem Olajuwon blocks that shot, deflects it, and then the Rockets do go on to win game seven. So they were also down... Uh, in another series, they were down and they came back to win game seven at home uh, and become NBA championship. So, you know, Akeem Olajuwon and the Rockets, there was so much uh, hope for the, him in his early career. Remember 1986, they made the, the finals against the Boston Celtics. Akeem was only in his uh, second season at the time. But that was when they had the Twin Towers of Ralph Sampson. That didn't work out. Then Akeem got frustrated with the franchise. And of all the teams anyway that, that, that were going to take advantage of the post-Jordan retirement, the Rockets were probably, you know, the fifth best team out of those ones that I mentioned earlier. And uh, and I think this was, was a, quite a shock for a lot of people. And again, they had to battle. They made life very difficult for themselves throughout the playoffs, but they got there in the end. A couple of weeks ago, you had uh, the Hakeem Olajuwon block on Starks on your greatest defensive plays in, in finals history, did you not? I did. I yes, did. as did. Uh, one of the greatest blocks of all time in, in right. the finals. Um, I still think it was significant. Again, who knows if that shot goes in yeah. from John Starks, but yeah. if it does... There's no, there's no doubt the Knicks win that series and become mm-hmm. champions. And uh, Patrick Ewing becomes better than Akeem Olajuwon in that series. Because, you know, David Robinson, wow. Akeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing, all kind of battling for that who's the best center. And I think, I mean, I loved Akeem Olajuwon. There's no question. He's one of my favorite players of all time. But I think these two championships uh, that he got basically cemented him as better yeah. than those other two guys. So, yeah, you know, totally. that's how, that's yeah. how uh, fine the line is. Yeah, this is a big legacy championship, no doubt, because like you're saying, at this point, you know, 27 years removed or whatever it is, uh, it's easy to forget that Hakeem Olajuwon could have easily not been a Rockets legend for the entirety of his life after this, right? But you win a championship, you win another championship, you're goaded uh, amongst those three big men that you're talking about from the 90s. I'm 100% Mm -hmm. with you, Lee. Great. 
Great. Well, let's see what the science says for this one. Uh, okay. They only get one point for the first one in the franchise history because uh, they had made the finals in 1986 with Akeem one. They also made it in 1981, the Houston Rockets. So they'd also been in the playoffs pretty much every season one was there. So they were, they were a team that you just expected to make the playoffs. Uh, the preseason field, well, fourth favorite in the West alone. Ooh. You know, so fifth favorite overall. I think they were tied, I believe, with the Charlotte Hornets going in uh, <laughs> wow. to win the championship that season. Yeah, those other teams that I mentioned, you know, uh, Jazz, Suns, Knicks, and Cavs were uh, ahead of them. The, the uh, obstacles they had to come overcome, well, again, down 0-2 at home to the Phoenix Suns, and they come back and win that series and prevailed in seven. And again, down 3-2 in the finals and also winning in seven. So they get uh, two points for that. The star power, well... I'm only giving them two points for that as well because Akeem Olajuwon was legit. Otis Thorpe was actually an all-star that season. Big oh, shout out Otis, to Otis. Otis yeah. Thorpe will win. Hey. Uh, they had, then they had Vernon Maxwell, Kenny Smith. You know, good players, but yeah. you know, Akeem was the only true, true star on that team. Yep. Um, and then uh, playoff difficulty, well, they only get one point as well because they did have home court advantage. And again, I think that's uh, ultimately what saved them in the end against the Phoenix Suns and against the New York Knicks. So one point there gives them a total of... Uh, it should be, uh, it's supposed to be nine, but I've only got eight there. Uh, what's happened here? What's happened? <laughs> you know, I give them an extra. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah they, they get, they get a summary, they get a summary yes. point. Yeah. So yes. anyway, and I put in some, <laughs> I put in summary here. Honestly, going into that season, I would have said uh, Phoenix or the Knicks were going to win that championship that year, not the Rockets. So, okay. you know, that's my, uh, yeah, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I would give them an, an extra point. Yeah, I think you, you dismissed the, the legacy thing a little too much. I mean, they're, Previous NBA Finals was eight years prior. Yeah, I agree. Uh, with, with the with the same superstar, that's a pretty long gap in between long NBA time. Finals, and yeah. they weren't a favorite, uh, and every, all those deficits they had to overcome. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd summary two points. I think. Okay. I think I might, okay. I think I might make them <laughs> double digits there. Okay. Okay. Uh, where are we going to? Okay. Uh, the number six on the uh, unlikeliest NBA championships champions is the 2006 Miami Heat. Uh, quite a surprise, I think, actually, that they went on and won it all in 2006 because they had an aging Shaq who had promised a championship after being traded from the Lakers, you know, in that post-Kobe divorce there. And they had a rising Dwayne Wade. Uh, but Dwayne Wade, I think, still wasn't quite at that level of, of the superstar Dwayne Wade that we knew him to be by the end of his career. And the Detroit Pistons were the East's best team, uh, and they had eliminated the Heat the season before and had been to the finals, of course, winning it in 2004, two years prior. So the Pistons at this, team, at this time were a very established team. But in the Eastern Conference Finals, this is where Dwayne Wade really started to show his star quality uh, against the Pistons. Uh, but really, because they, they upset the Pistons, they won that, that series in six games. But then the, uh, the big turnaround came in the finals against the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas was a very, very good team in 2006. They entered the uh, finals as favorite, and they did everything to basically justify that favoritism. When they were up 2-0, they won the first two games in Dallas. And then in game three, six minutes to go, they're leading by 13 points. And it's like, hmm. this one's... This one's a write-off. I mean, will the will the uh, this be a gentleman sweep? That's what I remember thinking because I was watching that game and I was thinking, man, you know, yeah, Dwayne Wade's good. He's not quite good enough. Shaq's a little bit too old. They just couldn't really slow down the Dallas Mavericks. But Dwayne Wade did drag that uh, the Heat back into that game, and uh, it was tight. It was actually, funnily enough, again, I went down so many YouTube rabbit holes here. Dirk had a chance 
to tie the game with three seconds to go, but he missed a free throw. He hit the first, missed the second. <laughs> yeah, big Dirk. So uh, that was a costly, very, very costly loss for the Dallas Mavericks because they got blown out in game four, lost by 20. And then game five was the big Dwayne Wade 25 free throw game. Mark Cuban was so pissed, he called the cops after the game. In fact, he went to the FBI. He went to the FBI to investigate. (laughs) Mark Cuban... He still thinks that that final series was rigged. He he did send some uh, investigators to go and look at every foul call. Mm-hmm. He wanted phone taps on their referees. He wanted he just couldn't believe that uh, Dwayne Wade could shoot twenty five free throws. Now, fair enough. In some ways, you know that's a ton of free throws, but still, the Heat had to win that game. But this is again two three two. So the Dallas Mavericks and history has shown us that you can actually still come back and win those last two games at home. But then it was the uh, a pretty much a collapsing game six at home from the Dallas Mavericks. They were up big double digits in that first half. And then Dwayne Wade took over. Shaq took, took over as well. And uh, the Miami Heat came back from, again, six minutes away from being down 3-0. And I don't think they come back to win this series. But instead, they win that game three. And it almost felt like the momentum shifted so dramatically in that last six minutes of game three that it just sucked the life out of the out of the Mavericks. They just weren't that good afterwards and uh, and yeah, ended up losing what was heavily favored in their way in six games. Mm-hmm. So, 2006 Miami Heat is in at number 6. It's right. a good one. Yeah. Um, now let's see what the uh, what the history says here. Uh, that one should be that one I think. Uh, let me see. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Uh, franchise history. Well, um, look, they had should have been in the finals a few times, but of course, pre-Dwayne Wade uh, and Shaq era, you know, when the Alonzo morning days, they were, fa- they were the number one seed in the East, but they fell over against the Knicks a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So they only get um, two points here because there had been some success, but some lean years in there as well for the Miami Heat. Uh, their preseason field, there was some optimism, and Shaq, as, as I say, he promised the title when he arrived. But still felt they were a bit of a long shot. I thought the Pistons were clearly the best team in 2006. The obstacles they had to so, overcome. So how many points there? They get uh, one point. They get okay. one point. The, the obstacles they had to overcome, I'm giving them two points here because uh, if you remember, Stan Van Gundy resigned 27 mm. games into the, ser- into the season. And that was, he said he wanted to spend more time with his family. Pat Riley took over. Uh, Shaq, now Shaq again, as he was getting a little bit older, he missed a quarter of the season. He missed 20 games due to injury. And uh, so they get two points for that. But they, uh, they also because in the finals, I mean, they came back from nowhere really to win that um, game three and ultimately the final. So they get two points there. Uh, the star power. So I gave them two points here because I don't think Wade was a true superstar and I think Shaq was on the decline. But combined, I think they were one ultimate superstar sure. yeah Zoe still <laughs> yeah they had Zoe they had Gary yeah, Payton you yeah. know they had they had those guys yeah, but two, I think two's fair yeah yeah and then number three uh, their playoff difficulty well they uh, they didn't have home court against the Pistons in the conference finals nor did they have it against the Dallas Mavericks so they had to win the conference finals and the finals without home court advantage so I give them three points for that so if my math is correct on this one and I hope it is they should have had ten points okay and a little, a little link to what we've seen today. Not quite the same, but DeAndre Ayton making the finals and being very close to winning a championship ahead of guys who were drafted after him 
as far as uh, uh, Trey Young and uh, Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. Now, Dwayne Wade was obviously drafted after LeBron and after Carmelo Anthony, but I think it was a little bit of a surprise to see Wade win a championship and a finals MVP before one of those guys, yeah. at least. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, yes, yeah. like, yeah, put him on the map. I mean, those oh, final sure. four games were like he was scoring like 40 and 35 yes. plus in every last four games of the finals. Unbelievable. Yes. Okay. Number five, uh, and I'm going with the 2015 Golden State Warriors mm. because mm. after a reasonably successful stint as head coach, Mark Jackson was fired by the Warriors at the end of 2014. They'd made two straight playoff appearances for a franchise that had only made it once since 1994. And if we remember, the Warriors were pretty much a joke for most of the sort of late 90s and early 2000s. Most of it, of course, the We Believe Warriors snuck in there uh, and gave the team a little bit of life. Mm-hmm. But Mark Jackson really, as well, he got fired because people in the front office didn't like him. Mark Jackson, you know, he had a lot of support from the players. So a bit of an unusual firing for a guy who'd had success and was liked by his players. And then they bring in a guy out of the commentary box. Steve Kerr had never coached before. So... If you ask me, that's a pretty risky move when uh, this team was starting to show some real promise there. Steve Kerr, obviously, had had some big playoff moments as a player. Uh, just wasn't quite sure he was the right coach for that team. But it turned out to be an incredible move because the Warriors win 67 games in his first year. And they play with a style, you know, stretching the floor, shooting threes. Everyone sort of was like, wow, you just can't stop these guys on offense. But this was a little bit of a problem too because they were sort of considered a jump shooting team and we've been told forever, jump shooting team, never win a championship. Right. You know, the game is different in the playoffs. You need to play defense. You need to be able to get some uh, tougher baskets. So come playoff time, starts off okay. They sweep the Pelicans in the first round. Uh, but in the second round, it did start to look as if maybe the Warriors game plan wasn't going to work in the playoffs because they fell behind to the Memphis Grizzlies in that tough Grizzlies D and the Warriors in games two and three. Game two, of course, was in Oakland. Game three in uh, in Memphis. They shot six for 26 in both games from downtown. Steph alone went four for 21. Mm. Tony Allen was talking some trash. Maybe he was talking a little bit too much trash because the way that the Warriors kind of got back into this series was like, Tony Allen, we ain't playing. You shoot all you want. You can do yeah, whatever you want. Him. Yeah. Yes. And uh, that kind of turned around the series. I still remember Andrew Bogut, who was kind of assigned to guard uh, Tony Allen, just turning his back on him and saying, shoot, man, shoot. Uh, So they got out of that one. They survived that. And then they faced the Houston Rockets. uh, And the Rockets, of course, were led by James Harden. But it was like (laughs) the Rockets still had a few. They had James Harden, but they didn't have a whole lot else after that. And uh, the Warriors won that series pretty easily. The the, the Rockets also were a three-point shooting team, which I think helped Golden State a little bit because it became a bit of a shootout and the Warriors just had more weapons. Uh, But all it meant was you were going to be facing LeBron James in his uh, return to Cleveland Cavaliers in the finals. And LeBron, best player in the world. Steph was MVP that season. But the Warriors really caught a break too before the finals began and in an even bigger one after the first game because Kevin Love, if you remember, in game four of the first round, had his shoulder dislocated, uh, tangling up there with Kelly or Linick. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, what a blow for LeBron. You know, like second or third best player, he's out and he couldn't come back. But it's LeBron. He got them to the finals. And then that game one, if you remember, was an awesome game. It went to overtime, but the, this was a real problem for the Cavs here. Kyrie Irving, I think, broke his kneecap and, mm-hmm. uh, and he was out for the remainder of the series. So game one, great game. You think, man, if the Cavs had stolen that, there'd be a chance. But now without those two stars, 
It was like, oh, this is like 2007 LeBron and the Cavs. It was like, there's not a ton of support there for him. But despite all that, the Cavs still led the series two games to one at one point. Yeah. Um, and it was basically LeBron and Delhi who were delivering the blows for the Cavs. Delhi stepped up there, had 20 points in game three. Uh, so LeBron, despite everything, stole home court and the Warriors honestly looked shook to me. And I was like, yeah, LeBron's, LeBron's experience is going to sort of come through here. Obviously playing with the Miami Heat, getting to the finals. And the Warriors, it was a little bit of a feeling of like, yeah, this, this, they don't have much of a game outside of shooting threes. The big move happened when Andre Iguodala was inserted into the starting lineup from game four, defended LeBron. And, uh, and LeBron just ran out of gas and he also ran out of help because... I mean, who was their second best player? It was probably... Uh, Timofey. Yeah, <laughs> Mozgov. Mozgov put up some stats, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it was probably Mozgov. Then it was Tristan Thompson, Tristan, J.R. Yeah. Smith. But, uh, you know, Shumpert, I think, was on that team. And, uh, and yep. Della Vadova. And it was like the Warriors figured it out in time. But... Again. Yeah, this was the series when the comparison for LeBron was, this is like 1990s football where you just give it to the running back every time to try and run <laughs> down the clock. Like LeBron bought, brought the ball up every single time, dribbled the ball for 20 seconds, then either scored or dished it to somebody to try and get another shot. Definitely ran out of firepower. Yep. So the Warriors win the championship. And again, injuries play a part, but they still had to uh, sort of silence the doubters, I think. Uh, so let's see what the um, uh, see what the science says here. Franchise history, well, some success, but there were some lean years in there as well. Um, they'd been to the playoffs recently, though, so I give them two points oh, for that. Really? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. This is this is a three. Uh, yeah, hey, this I is suppose. the Warriors. They had no yeah, success. I know, but they'd, None. they'd, won, they'd won that fifty-one games the season before. If, uh, yeah, right. Give them three. Let's let's, let's let's come on. Yeah, give yeah. them three points. That's fine. I'm fine. I mean, what with they that. hadn't they hadn't been there in. Like, hadn't won in like what was it forty years or something? Yeah, yeah. Something stupid. Yeah, I, I sort of, I sort of just tilted it just because of their, uh, you know, their Mark Jackson success. But three is fine. I'm I mean, happy with three. I'm happy to keep. I'm it's, happy it's to... your, it's, hey, it's your science, man. <laughs> if you want to go two, go two. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, okay. okay. But listen, their preseason <laughs> feel. They get uh, they get two points for this because you would have to really talk yourself into them going all the way. They were plus two thousand eight hundred to win it all, eighth in preseason wow. odds. Wow! Okay. Yeah, and Steve Kerr again in his first season as coach. So I'm like, ooh, I so don't. So it's only getting a two. That's... Well, maybe. Like, I think this one should maybe be a three yeah. as well. If I'm not mistaken, Ethan Sherwood Strauss was like the only guy on the entire internet to pick the Warriors to win the championship in the preseason, and he was a Warriors writer. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, right. that's a good point. That is exactly right. Ethan's Sherwood Strauss call. All right, let's go three. Let's get crazy here. Oh, good, this one's going to be uh, the number one most unlikeliest <laughs> by the time we're done negotiating <laughs> these categories. Okay, the obstacles they had to overcome. Well, so this is a tough one because I gave them two points, right? Mm, okay. I gave them two points because they did have to come back from blowing home court advantage. But of course, the other team was missing two of its top three players, so it kind yeah, of yeah. That that to me, they they got they made yeah. up with the title if Kyrie and Kevin exactly. Love playing, so um, got, that's okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I gave them two for that um, because you know normal injury stuff, but nothing major. No significant injury to a key player to them, not really. So I popped it right in the middle there at All two. Right. But again, we can we can okay. uh, we can adjust this if we need to. Uh, the star power. Well, uh, Steph Curry was uh, MVP. So, uh, you know, he was a star and Clay Thompson was clearly uh, a star as well. He was an all-star that season. So they get uh, two points for that. Um, 
And then uh, the playoff difficulty. Um, oh, I've got a three for that, but that probably shouldn't be. Uh, they had home court all the way. They should have actually. That should be number one. I should have had that as number one. Okay. So this okay. might actually work out perfectly here. <laughs> oh How many Added points? Two points on the front end. Take one back. Yeah, exactly. Back. So exactly. I, if, I, if I've been following correctly, I think yeah. you have it at eleven total. Perfect. That's perfect. Doesn't yeah. matter how it works out. It's worked okay. out at eleven okay. points there for the Warriors at number five. So anyway, again, they proved a jump shooting team could win. That's something that was sort of like a, a bad word in the NBA. It was like, right. no way, no way can that team win. Well, the ultimate what if with this team too is if uh, Steve Kerr takes the Knicks job. Exactly. And he basically had. Yeah. He basically, I remember him saying one time he had to say to Phil Jackson, his old coach, yeah, I said yes, but I'm actually going to take this yeah. one. He said, and Stan Van Gundy would have had this job but he wanted to have the general manager's sort of role oh, right. as well. And they were like, no, thanks. So right. Stan Which Van Gundy. ultimately got with the Pistons, I guess. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Number four here. And I'm going with the 2004 Detroit Pistons mm. because a uh, very good team. Wouldn't say they had a true superstar on that team. I think the Lakers, who were didn't win the championship the season before, that was San Antonio Spurs. But the Lakers still had more individual talent. And here's where it gets a little bit weird here for the Pistons, because they had the second best record in the East. They were seven games behind the Indiana Pacers, but the Pistons were actually seeded three because the Pacers won the Central Division, which the Pistons are also in, and the Nets won the Atlantic Division. The Nets oh, had seven classic. fewer wins than Detroit. <laughs> But the winning a division superseded the Pistons. It gets even weirder. <laughs> That's uh, weird. So Detroit should have faced the Knicks in the first round. Instead, they played the Bucks. But here's also where it gets weird. Again, they ended up facing the New Jersey Nets in the conference semis. But the Pistons retained home court advantage for that because they had a better record. So it's, <laughs> right, right. You know, it's uh, moving, moving the goalposts a little bit on the run here. Now, Detroit did have to come back from 3-2 in that series against the Nets, and they won game six in New Jersey and then got game seven at home. Now, I'm going to dig a little bit more into this series because this was just a disgusting series. Game one of that series, the Pistons held the Nets to 56 points. 56 <laughs> points. There were some... This is some of the scores in that series. Yeah. 82 to 64, 81 to 75, and then 90 to 69 in game nice. seven. Only one game in that series did the teams, both teams, break 100, and that was triple overtime of game four, which also only happened because of Chauncey Billups' half-court heave to send the game to overtime. So... Right. That was just a gross series, and, and the Nets could not hit free throws to close that game out. Jason Kidd missed a couple. I think it was Kerry Kittles, I believe, who missed one as well. So Chauncey's heave gets it to overtime. The Nets actually go on to win that series anyway. But so the Pistons did well, okay? They, they, they sort of, you know, hung on. They, 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 they won that series. But when it comes to the finals, uh, they beat the Pacers after that, by the way, too. Uh, they they, uh, they yeah, beat the Nets. A and good then they Pacers team. A very good Pacers team, yes. So, they, so they, they had to battle in the Eastern Conference. But by the time they got to the finals, it was actually probably their easiest opponent because uh, the Lakers didn't have an injury necessarily. I'm not counting 65-year-old Carl Malone's uh, Game 3 and 4 injury as serious. But the real strife for the Lakers was between Kobe and Shaq. Kobe was just firing away and Shaq, in that series that the Pistons won in five games, went 27 for 55 from the free throw line. Shaq always told us he makes them when they count. 
<laughs> if you look back at that sort of uh, recap now of that, it's pretty obvious to see that the Lakers would, would toast even after game one. They did win game two, but they just weren't on the same path there. Uh, but the Pistons were still a good team. Their defense was very, very strong, and uh, they defended the Lakers well, even though the Lakers didn't really uh, push them all that much. Uh, but they are also this low because I just didn't feel going into the season that the Pistons were a championship-winning team. And remember, they also made the Rashid Wallace trade uh, that did work out. Mm-hmm. And that was, a, yeah, that was a bit of a risk. But Rashid came in and was perfect for that team. Really, really solid fit. So the Pistons in the finals, I don't think it was all that tough for them. But getting there proved to be pretty tough. And they proved to be a pretty resilient team. So they had to overcome two teams that were better than them in the East. But then by the time they got to the finals, the Lakers were still favorite going into that. They had a home court. Yeah. Uh, but they just couldn't get it together. So the Pistons in at number four, 2004. Yeah, one of my first times feeling like a real dumbass about basketball was the Lakers not being able to pull this off against the Pistons. You're like, they got Shaq and Kobe. They just won three straight titles. I mean, they lost one game. Who cares? They got Shaq. What's Ben Wallace going to be able to do against that guy? Guard him, apparently. Yep. Uh, A bit of an upset. I still think it was a a real upset that that they got that one. So... The franchise history, a good team with a history of winning championships or making the finals. Of course, the bad boys, uh, Pistons 1-2, were in three. Uh, And other than that, the Pistons made the playoffs quite a bit. So, yeah, they've got some history there. So they get one point for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two, the preseason feel. I've given them three points for this because they'd made the conference finals the season earlier, but I just didn't think they were the best team even in the East. And then I thought... There's no way. I thought the Lakers were still the favorite anyway. So uh, I didn't think they had a legit shot to win it. And, okay. and you know, they made the trade, of course, for Sheed because they probably felt they were missing something. Yeah. And he, he had a huge impact on both ends of the floor. The obstacles they had to overcome, uh, well, I've given them number two for that because they, they looked dead. I mean, they were down in the playoffs there uh, against the uh, New Jersey Nets in an ugly, ugly series. And they made the big trade. That usually isn't uh, the sign of a team that is confident with what it's got. It's kind of like, oh, we need to swing for the fences a little bit here. And they did, and it worked out. Sometimes it works. Exactly. Uh, Star star power here. Um, Well, Ben Wallace was an all-star that year, but that was it. Uh, But then, you know, Chauncey was good. Rip was good. Tayshaun Prince was good. But that was also, I think, a bit of a problem with the Pistons. It was like, these guys are all good, but where's that? Where's that? You know, Ben Wallace being... this has to be a three. Yeah. Uh, Three. Well, no, the three is a who's who of nobody's. Had Ben Wallace, who was an all-star, so I give him only a two for that. Ugh, I mean, an all-star big in the East? I mean, we've been given to Jamal McGlure at times. Like, he's not oh, a yeah. star, well, though. Well, he's there... an all-star, but he's not a star. That's a yeah, three. Yeah, it's an interesting scale. It's an interesting scale. Will any other team reach three? I guess there's no way. Because... Yeah, I mean, that, this was That's definitely tough. the team. Yeah, this was team. You have an nobody's... all-star? Yeah. Probably need well, an all-star. Yeah. yeah that... We can make it a three. Hey, hey, I'm flexible. We can make it a three. We can make all it a three. I'm fine with that. I think it should be, because this is like the epitome of a team with a bunch of good players, but no. No, no superstar, yeah. no yeah. like a top 10 player. Nobody on that team was a top 10 player. I mean, let alone a top 20, top 25. I don't think a lot of people probably would have like your Billups and stuff. I like mean, that that's the thing. They, the they, they had They're more good. of their don't get me wrong. all-star success after yeah. this season. Um, yeah. Okay. And then their playoff difficulty. Uh, well, again, second best record, but they got bumped to third. 
So they kind of got pulled down, even though they got uh, a better record. And then they got that home court advantage. But back it didn't really anyway. matter. Yeah, no. got the home court advantage. But yeah. they also did not have home court against the Lakers. And again, right. I think that's why. Uh, so I gave them uh, three points for that because it's like they still face the prospect of, of having to beat a, a chaotic Lakers team who was still just good because of the talent they had. They had way more talent than the Pistons. But Detroit did it. So in the end, they did the hard work in the East beating the Nets and Pacers uh, and got to the Lakers and it was like, oh, that was probably a lot easier than they were expecting it to be. <laughs> yeah, okay. So what was it, the total for them in the end? Well, what, what did you get for your final count there? I, I, I had don't them, know. I didn't follow. I didn't yeah, I had them at 11 as well. I okay, had them at so 11. I guess I was bumping it up to yeah. 12. It doesn't yeah, it's matter. fine. 12's fine. You can keep them at 12 because they can tie <laughs> with the number three team. And this is <laughs> three teams left. Here we go. Slots yeah. perfect. Uh, this is the 2011 uh, Dallas Mavericks because there's a lot of history kind of going against this team. Was Dirk really that franchise superstar in 2011 carrying a team to a championship? He was an MVP, but he he was probably more known and the Mavericks were more known for what had happened and gone wrong for them in the playoffs. 2006, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned earlier, 2007, of course, the We Believe Warriors swept them. And then I think it was the Pelicans the year or the uh, Hornets, the New Orleans Hornets after that beat them. And I was like, the Mavericks are just a good regular season team. You know, and they can't close out series. So Dirk was facing, um, you know, serious like questions at this point of his career, and he was going up against the team that had beaten him five years early. Um, now the third seeded Mavericks had had a good season, but only had the fifth bet best odds of winning the championship behind Lakers, Spurs, Heat. Bulls and Celtics. 2011 Lakers. Remember they were coming off back-to-back championships mm-hmm. with Kobe. Uh, first round. Mavs faced the Blazers, one in six, but it was like, yeah, I mean, you should be able to beat the Blazers. Uh, but here's where I think the Lakers kind of got a bit lucky because the number eight seeded Grizzlies upset the Spurs. And so it sort of opened the door a little bit there in the West. But the Lakers, uh, the Mavericks would have to get past uh, the Thunder, which they did in a very entertaining five-game series. Um, and then, uh, what have I got there? Well, that's in the conference finals. Yes, that's in the conference finals. They beat the Thunder, finals. but they beat the Lakers. They, they that's swept right. the yeah, Lakers yeah, yeah. in that. They uh, swept the Lakers. And that that sweeping of the Lakers was fairly significant because yeah, it, was yeah. like, it was like, okay, wow, this team maybe is legit. And then the Thunder, who had obviously Kevin Durant and Westbrook and James Harden, they were, they were rising, but it was like... Right. Not quite ready. That was an awesome series, that five-game series, by the way. Um, Dirk really looked unguardable. Yeah. But all it meant was they were going to face LeBron and the Heat with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh the in Heatles. the finals. Yeah. And it was like, no, nah, there's no way the Mavericks are going to be able to beat this team. Because after a slow start to the season, the Heatles started to get it together. And, uh, and Dwayne had that psychological advantage over Dirk. Game one went pretty much to plan. Heat looked too good. And I remember thinking at the time that Dirk and the Mavs would simply struggle in the series because they just couldn't defend all three of the big three. And I just didn't feel that I just didn't feel that the Dallas Mavericks had enough in them because of what had happened in previous uh, playoff series. And Miami was going to be up 2-0 in that series. They led by 15 with seven minutes to go in the fourth. Similar, so similar to what happened earlier again with the Mavericks and the, uh, and, and the Heat in the series from 2006, except it flipped on its head a little bit because the Mavericks did come back uh, and Dirk iced the game with a three and then that layup and we were tied at 1-1. I also remember that night because that is the night, game two of that series, when I was gifted a pair of J.J. Beret's shorts oh, wow. by my dear wow. friend Simon Ibel. Uh, yep. Rest in peace, dear Simon. Um, we were down at uh, Real Sports, and he called me and he said, uh, i got a surprise for you when I come. And I said, okay, great. I have no idea what he was going to bring me. And he pulls out a pair of J.J. Beret's shorts, and I still have them today. So. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Also, but- Beret... 
am I, do I have the right year here? He gets crushed by Bynum in the sweep, right? In game yes. four? Yeah. That, that is right. That gets is exactly right. Gets leveled by Bynum yep. and like he's got, yeah, he, off he goes. Okay. Then guarded uh, LeBron in the NBA yeah. finals in the yeah, post. Yeah. Real shorts at real sports. Man, this was <laughs> the brotherhood of the traveling shorts around here. What what a story. Three stories about J.J. Berea from the 2011 finals, from the 2011 playoffs. Legend. This that is very unlikely, yeah. So uh, it still looked again like Miami had recovered from that game two loss. They won game three, uh, but then the Mavs won game four, and this was the LeBron James game where he only scored eight points yeah. in game four. And he looked bad. And it was like, what, what are you doing, LeBron? He just looked tentative. 2-2 uh, series, but Tassie, 2-2 series with the uh, home team, of course, <laughs> having two games at home. I mean, it tilts it in their favor. Sure, uh, I got an 84.9. Right, great. Uh, but this, the series all changed in game five. Dirk had 29. Jason Terry, who was really good in that series, had 21 off the bench in game five. And the Mavs would have two chances to win the series. But, again, 2-3-2. Two, two. So, uh, Miami... Most likely, like the Rockets had done in 94 and like the Lakers had done in 88, I think the Miami Heat was still the favorite, even though they were down 3-2. Mm. But it wasn't to be because uh, game six was huge. Jason Terry had 27 points in that game. Deshaun Stevenson was hitting threes as well and sort of giving the salute to the fans early in that game. Dirk himself didn't actually have a huge game uh, in game six. But, I mean, he had obviously, you know, he was the leader of that team and... I mean, so many playoff demons were slayed here by Dirk Nowitzki, finally breaking through, winning a championship, and and sort of doing to what the Heat, what the Heat had done to him five years earlier. So, um, very very happy here for the Mavericks that they broke through. And honestly, I didn't even think they were going to do it, even when they led three two. So mm. uh, that to me was a big upset because again, and it was the the, Le- the LeBron Heatles that they promised us championships through three games of the series, halfway through the series. I thought the Heat were home, and they right. uh, and they fell apart. This from is there. this is the infamous cough yes. series, oh, yeah. too, right? Exactly. Where they're uh, you know caught on camera. I guess it's Wade and LeBron, right? Where they're basically yes. walking down. The hallway. They're mocking Dirk being sick, if I remember correctly, right? That's right. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And, and they they sort of they sort of look like you know ah oh, well they're going to win this series, so it won't blow up in their face. But yeah. when they lose it, it's like yeah. Uh, yeah. you you were clowning Dirk, and then Dirk came back and was Finals MVP. Was, same thing in game weird. two as well, right? When the yeah. uh, the Heat were up 15 with like uh, seven or eight minutes yeah. left, maybe in the fourth quarter. I think it's Wade hits a big three and he's like flexing to the bench. And then yep. Jason Terry was like, we saw Dwayne Wade flex into the bench. And that was the game changer for us. They're like, you do not flex at the bench against us. <laughs> That's abs- turned it around. That's absolutely the sort of the, the momentum swinging point right then. It was like, yep, the Heat are home. They're up 2-0. They're yeah. going to win this series. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and they, they weren't able to do it. So that, That's this- when I started believing in momentum. That moment. <laughs> right, right then and there. But it, you'd think D-Wade, after going, uh, coming back from 2-0 only five years earlier, wouldn't, wouldn't give mm. that little bone there. But, uh, it's, yeah, everybody felt like the, the Heat had that championship but this is this was a really special Mavs championship and it's sort of like you talked about the Pistons there Lee like people don't generally regard some of those guys as superstar players but in this in this series like I think game uh, six is, is, a, is a good indicator of guys playing just at a certain level like that was superstar level like Jason Terry finishing that series at, with 27 points that guy was a phenomenal mm-hmm. in the in those playoffs so guys you don't necessarily think of as super duper stars but 
Well, they were all like, uh, just all like came together. vets at that point too. Like Terry yeah. Kidd, uh, Sean Marion, obviously Marian. instrumental in playing LeBron. I know a lot of it was like, "What are you doing, Bron?" But the Matrix was awesome in that series on him. And mm-hmm. yeah, this was there was an old team for sure. But this is this is a lot of people's like if you don't have maybe like your own personal favorite team, like a lot of people love this one because it was oh, Dirk yeah. getting his first, and then they totally. took down the rock stars that were the, of course the uh, that, super yeah. team there in Miami. I, I think yeah, I think it's almost more that second one that it was like everyone kind of that they were the villains, the Heat, and it was like don't yeah. tell me LeBron's LeBron's going to go to Miami and win it straight away. Then it's like what hope does right, anyone have right. for the next five years? But him losing and the Heat losing after being in a position of real, you know, dominance and looking like they were going to win was almost like the perfect uh, storyline for the for the non-Heat fans in the NBA because it was like, great, he, he lost when he should have won. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the science on this one, the franchise history, um, look, I gave him a three for this because it's not an automatically uh, a team you associate with winning titles, even though they were there in 2006. But I honestly think the, the Mavericks were more considered like they blew it in 2007 when Dirk was MVP and they had uh, and they lost to the We Believe Warriors and then they uh, they lost the finals as well after from the unlosable position in 2006. I think that's uh, a fair three. I think you would also, you know, factor in, I don't know about you, Lee, but when I think of the Dallas Mavericks, one of the first things I still think about is like early 90s, the Mavericks oh. were one of the all-time worst teams. Uh, so that kind of always stuck with me. Even once they became a playoff team, you're like, come on, it's the Mavericks, yeah. you know? And you can go back even to the uh, first team that I had here, the, the 1988 Lakers. The Mavericks went took them to seven games in 88 in the conference finals. And it was thought, you know, the Mavericks are the team on the rise. The next season, they trade Mark Aguirre for Adrian Dantley. And that's basically when they fell apart after mm. that for a lot of years there in the 90s. You're right about that. Uh, the preseason feel for the Mavericks. Well, for me, I gave them um, some optimism, but still a long shot here because... It was like, this team, you know they're going to make the playoffs, but you just sort of feel they won't really get it done. You sort of had to talk yourself into them um, getting it done. So I only gave them one point for that. I don't think they were no legit shot at all. Uh, You could maybe give them two points if you really want as well there. But anyway. uh, Seventh best odds to win the championship, apparently. Yeah, let's actually give them two. Heat with a bullet. Yeah, give them two. Heat, Lakers, Celtics, Magic, Bulls, Thunder. All better odds. Yeah, yeah. So, um that's pretty low. Yeah. Surprising. Okay. I mean, I mean, yeah. When you think when you get to the the playoffs and they were the underdog in all four freaking series. That's crazy. It is crazy. I remember when we were picking games in in 2011, not betting, not gambling, of course, but just picking our winners. I, I remember taking the other team three of the four series, uh, and and that was, I was that was being in the Mavs' favorite, I mean, being a Mavs backer. If you were t- picking them for one freaking series, because yeah. Blazers, Lakers, Thunder, and Heat, all favorites. Okay, so uh, that was... Uh, okay, so the, the number three here, the obstacles they had to overcome for this one. Um, well, I've got them uh, down at two here because they didn't have a significant injury, which is three, and they sort of didn't have to overcome a whole lot in, in terms of like chaos during the season. Uh, and they had eight guys who played 72 games or more, so they were a pretty healthy team. Um, now, Surprising, they're, that, they're the old bunch too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Karan Butler, I think, might have been the only guy who really went down with an injury during this run. Yep, yep, and he was kind of, uh, you know, sort of a deep rotation player there anyway. But uh, a little bit. Pedro was hurt during the season, but he came through big. He he had that one big game in the playoffs. Right, he had a twenty-plus point game. Uh, I think it was the Blazers. Uh, He he was traded from the Raptors in uh, during that season. Oh, that's Uh, that's probably why he was probably healthy. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay, so the star power, uh, well, I've got them also for a two for that because they had Dirk, obviously, who was an MVP, and then they had Kidd, Chandler, Sean Marion, you know, pretty much a stacked roster. You could give them one point for that, but I gave them two because uh, it was still... It was Dirk was the MVP. Kid was uh, is still very very good. Tyson Chandler, I think it was an All Star that year as well. So maybe I could have given them. Uh, maybe I maybe should have only given them one point for that. But anyway, I gave them two because it's got to check out here. And then number uh, the playoff difficulty. I mean they had to uh, they had to win on the road and absolutely they did. They get three points for that because uh, again they started the finals on the road. Everywhere else they had home court advantage and they also got a little bit lucky. Um, with the Spurs getting knocked out in the first round here. So the path kind of opened up a little bit for them. But still, as I said earlier, they lose game one, should have lost game two, and to win at least one of game six or game seven in Miami, I thought was against them. So I gave them three points for that. Uh, Total I've got them down here for is 12. And the summary... Legacy-defining series for Dirk and and uh, and his entire career, because I honestly think if Dirk, if they don't win that championship, I'm not sure he ends his career as a one-team guy. I, I think at some point maybe the Mavs and him have been like, you know what, we've been close, it ain't working. Maybe the Mavericks cash in on him. I'm not sure. It's all speculative. It's all history now. But uh, I just wonder because at that point of his career, he would have been there what 12 seasons two fail or not failings but you know two times coming up short in the finals i just wonder if they maybe the mavs and him decide to part ways who knows we'll never know the answer mark cuban said he'd never do that but it's mark cuban (laughs) (laughs) takes a sip (laughs) all right living kermit meme if you're as obsessed with basketball as i am then you know there's no better time of year than the nba playoffs hey guys this is jj reddick twice a week i'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast the old man and the three i bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else like devin booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Two to go here. Now, uh, now this one was... Uh, man, this one I spent a, probably a bit too much time on YouTube going down uh, some rabbit holes for this one. Okay. But it's the 1995 Houston Rockets, right? I mean, a bit like the Lakers earlier on this list. How can a team going for back-to-back make them unlikely? Well, actually, quite, uh, quite a lot of reasons. Because after basking in the glory of the 94 title, it seemed a long shot they would go back-to-back. It almost had a bit of a feel like, okay, we got one. And uh, people were like, okay, yeah, they cashed in. They were kind of lucky. But there was no Jordan again at the start of this season. So I think a few other teams are like, we've really got to make sure we, we get this one now. 
They got off to a solid start in 94-95, but they weren't even favourite going into uh, that season as champion ch- as champion favourite. And that's pretty rare for a defending championship. Uh, defending champion. Uh, also, they made a huge trade during that season. They shipped out Otis Thorpe for Clyde Drexler. Clyde Drexler said he wanted to go to uh, Houston, and uh, and he got his wish. But the moves kind of backfired at the start because the Rockets went 17-18 and 18 with Clyde in the lineup, and they finished sixth in the West. So... You know, not many teams have uh, come back from sixth in the in their seedings to win the championship, and it looked like they wouldn't even make it out of the first round. They trailed the Utah Jazz two one before Clyde and Dream, Clyde and Dream had forty each uh, to force uh, a game five, and they won that. The Jazz, I mean, blew it again. You know, the Jazz had chances, and round two, or should I say, round deja vu, because they faced the Phoenix Suns, <laughs> nice. uh, and just as they'd done a season earlier. Phoenix had home court this time, but Phoenix went up 2-0 in that series, convincing victories as well. And uh, they were down. They lost those first two games, Houston, by 46 points, right? So a little bit, again, also like the Cavs against the Warriors here. Yeah. They won game three at home, but then they lost game four at home. So the Phoenix Suns basically couldn't lose from here, but they did. And the Houston Rockets came back, winning the next three. And, of course, everyone knows what happens in game seven to close it out. It's Mario Eli's famous kiss of death. So uh, this is only the conference semifinals, mind you. So the Rockets certainly like to make life difficult. They've had to come back from both series so far to win. Mm-hmm. And then they face the San Antonio Spurs, who were uh, the favorite, I believe, that year to win the championship. And we all know what happened before game one of this series in San Antonio. David Robinson was presented his MVP trophy and Akeem was just sitting there staring at him, just glaring at him. <laughs> and uh, Elijah went out there and absolutely torched him in games one and two. But this is where history is remembering things differently, I think, because it feels to me like that series was, oh, well, it must have been over in four or five games. But the Spurs actually came back and win game three and four of that right, series in right. Houston. I forgot all about that. I was like, oh, wow. And game four, (laughs) game four, the Spurs hammered the Rockets, 22 points. So lost home court advantage, then stole it right back. And again, Tassie, when you're a 2-2 series, you've got home court advantage. I mean, you know the the numbers numbers have changed. The numbers have changed since I last fired up the model. Uh, I'd go 85.2. But uh, the Rockets then went and win game five again in San Antonio and then six to close out the series. So uh, a bit of a weird series. Again, there's that famous sort of footage of game one of Elijah one just like making fun of David Robinson. David Robinson afterwards in the press conference being like, I mean, I tried. I tried. I just couldn't stop him. <laughs> and David Robinson, a little bit like Dirk in the last uh, the last number there, people were expecting David Robinson to win a championship. He was regarded, I think, still as the, as the best player of those big three. And the fact that Ewing wasn't able to do it the year before, it was like Robinson's turn. If he beats uh, the Rockets, then he faces Shaq in the finals. And, you know, he was still considered, obviously, like Shaq was a, was a great, great player. But Robinson was like... It's his championship to win this year. But they couldn't do it. They couldn't get to the finals. So the Rockets, having taken the long, hard road, were now back in the finals, but would open on the road against those Orlando Magic and uh, Shaquille O'Neal. And uh, listen, the Rock- the Magic were feeling good because they'd beaten the Bulls. Remember, Jordan had come back. They beat the Bulls. And then they beat the Pacers in seven, making the finals. And the Magic started at home, and they start as favorite to win that series they were minus 150 the Rockets were dogs at 130 plus 130 
to win the championship. You talking about my dog? (laughs) (laughs) That's why I had to uh, step away for a second. I had to let my dog do business outside. Yeah. So, um, and game one of that series was going pretty much to plan for the uh, Orlando Magic. They were up big. uh, But then, you know, if you don't know what happened, Nick Anderson has a chance at the free throw line. He basically just has to hit one free throw out of four, and he clunks them both, or clunks all four of them. Kenny Anderson, uh, Kenny Anderson, Kenny Smith hits seven threes, and the Rockets steal game one in Mm. Orlando. And it was like, hmm, hmm, interesting, interesting. But you think... (laughs) Interesting. Orlando's better than that. They'll bounce back again. You know, obviously Jordan wasn't Jordan Jordan when they beat them, but it was still Michael Jordan, that that mental uh, ability for for the Magic to beat them. And they get swept, absolutely swept. The Rockets, I mean, in these playoffs, look basically dead for all money so many times here. And then they came back and win. And then they end up sweeping the team that has home court advantage in a most impressive, most dominant fashion. So they get it done. But I think right up until the finals, it was like, the Rockets were not considered favorite almost against anyone in any of their series. You oh, know, again, definitely. I mean, yeah. I actually always wish the Suns had won one more regular season game because you said it, Lee, they beat a 60-win team in the Jazz. The Suns had won 59 that year. The Spurs had won 62. And then the Magic were the best team in the East, uh, record-wise, with 57 wins. Like, imagine the Magic had won three more games, the Suns won more. They would have went through four teams that were like 60-win teams. Like, that's a... I know, like, 65 is, like, the upper echelon teams of all time, but 60 is no joke. And, oh, uh, yeah. They yeah. basically beat close to four teams that were, like, a 60-win team. Very, very yeah. close. And that Magic team, you know, they had depth. They had really good shooters. And Shaq, at this stage, was in his... Uh, his uh, Fifth, uh, third season there, but he was really starting to be like, wow, this guy, you know, he was just, he, he was a beast going up against Akeem Elijahwan, uh, but Elijahwan played him really well. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, let's see what is the science the, is. Is that the, I can never remember, is this the never underestimate the heart of a champion? Yes. Right? It's this year with yeah, Rudy yeah. Tomjanovich. Yeah, that makes sense because they were the sixth seed. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the science here, uh, the franchise history, um, well, were they a one-hit wonder winning it the year before? You know, do you give them one point for that or do you give them two points? I went with two points because uh, they'd had some success, but they had some, you know, they'd made the playoffs. Well, but they I just won the title. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Was that <laughs> yeah. There was a feeling right. of like a one-hit wonder. And again, the, the odds makers didn't really think yeah. they were going to repeat. So I gave them two points for that. Uh, the preseason feel here. Uh, oh, sorry, that was a franchise here. The preseason feel. I mean, again, I gave them three points here to say, you know, they were no legit shot um, because of what the odds makers were saying. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of uh, this was this was definitely influenced by the YouTube watching. It was like, how do they keep on coming back? Anyway, they did. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, now the obstacles they had to overcome. Now, now they didn't have a, a significant injury, but they made a significant trade. I mean, you trade away one of your core pieces for an older guy in Clyde Drexler. Uh, that's a big move. And again, it didn't really work at the start. It did in the end, but it was like, man, you traded Thorpe for Drexler. And if you, you know, I mean, if they lose I that would first... never trade my 94 Fleer <laughs> Otis Thorpe for a upper deck Drexler at that. Yeah. Not a chance. So I, I, gave them, uh, I gave them three points for that because also what they had to do on the road. But the star power here, um, 
I gave them actually one point in the end for this one because they had Elijah one and they had Kenny Smith and they had Robert Ory. Uh, Vernon Maxwell was actually out of the team by then. He kind of had a bit of a falling out, but they brought in Clyde Drexler, yeah. a member of the a member of the dream team. So yeah. they only get one point there for that. Okay. But then uh, the playoff difficulty, they get three points because yeah. they started every series on the road and came back from 0-2 and 3-1 against Phoenix uh, and won. So... In summary, the Rockets made life very difficult for themselves. Very <laughs> difficult for themselves throughout the season and in the playoffs. And again, Nick Anson, let's say he hits one free throw. Let's say the Magic win game one. Right. Maybe the series is different. Maybe it isn't. But I just sort of feel like a little bit like Ben Simmons in game seven here for the Rocket, uh, for the Sixers against the Hawks. Like it wasn't that wasn't the only play that decided that game. And Nick Anderson's free throw misses don't, don't decide the whole series. But it sort of sucks the life out of a team that was in control of game one for most of the way there. Uh, and then they just couldn't recover. They just didn't have that experience in the playoffs. Okay. So 12 points. Good one. I don't know if I'm wrong about this, Lee, but I feel like if we had another show and you made your list of favorite champions, this one is coming in the top five as well. I think that's absolutely true, yes. Uh, because the kiss... Oh yeah, the Elijah one. Yeah, yeah, the comebacks and, and just just everything about the Rockets because I really I loved Elijah one so much and I definitely thought he was traded at some point for him to come back, win MVP and win two championships was just huge. So yeah, and brings, they had a guy named Pete Chilcutt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and Pete, Pete Chilcutt <laughs> makes Pete the Chilcutt. Um, he makes the YouTube uh, season review as well. Like he's got a lot to say in that one. It's 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 <laughs> cool. kind of I'm, Pete, I'm just, yeah, Pete yeah, yeah, Chilcutt Pete, did he yeah. even play in the finals? Uh, I mean, maybe he saw see, a minute or two. You see him on the uh, in game one on the sideline, arms raised after Kenny hits that big three. So uh, yeah, nice. it's uh, it's great. Anyway, brings me to number one, and uh, well, Skeety Tassie, you guys can probably guess this one because. Wow. It's the 2019 Toronto Raptors. I was wondering while you're going through this list, I'm like thinking the whole time, the Raps are going to be on here as an unlikely champion. But number one, you say. Yes, well, and and the reason I do this is because, like, I think there's so much history that was against the Raptors, really. Uh, A franchise that whenever hope seemed to be on the horizon, despair often whiplashed it back to reality. (laughs) Draft a star player. He wants out a few years later. You know, Vince was great. Maybe he put them on the map. He sulked his way out of there. Alonzo Mourning didn't even bother showing up, you know. (laughs) Free agents spurned the organization like it was located in a different country, which it actually is, okay. Uh, And Canada had already lost one of its NBA franchises after only six seasons there, the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, the Vancouver Grizzlies. And Mm -hmm. I honestly wondered, I returned to the Raptor Toronto in 2006 and uh, I know you guys have lived through the entire franchise history there. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I was like, I would be surprised if the Raptors don't move as well because it just seemed like, <laughs> it just felt like to me, no one wanted to play there, really. You know, Brian sure. Colangelo came yeah. in, he drafts Bagnani. And yeah, like, man, the oh. taxes, they suck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The TV as well. <laughs> yeah. It seemed it's cold. Like, it's yeah. the only place on earth that it's cold. <laughs> they seemed cursed. It seemed like a basketball team in hockey town. You know, even unloved by the country in which the league... Uh, you know, like the league technically began. It was like people just didn't seem to really, it, if you were either a basketball fan and you loved the Raptors, but it was very tough to bring over any hockey heads or even baseball heads because it was like the Raptors always suck. You know, they get to the playoffs and they can't win and nobody wants to come here. So it was hard to convince those, uh, you know, the casuals. Right. On top Thank of that, God for Vince Carter, to be completely honest. Yeah, exactly. For, for those lean years there, or at least getting them back to a playoff team because it yeah. was real bad for him. Yeah. And then, 
you know, even in the recent history, they made the playoffs in 2014, even had home court advantage, but it meant little because they lost game seven at home. Paul Pierce was like, you know, rubbing it in everyone's faces. A year later, they're back in the playoffs, had home court again, and it was even worse. It's even worse. You know, they lost game four to the Washington Wizards by 31 points. No way this team could stay the way it was. Blow them up, you know. Um, It was almost like, were the Raptors better off not even making the playoffs rather than suffer this humiliation? <laughs> Probably not, but you know what I'm saying. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of like, it's like, oh my God, how, you know, the Wizards of all teams as well. You know, sure, Wall and Beal were good, but it's like, that's not that's not the Lebronto Cavs where you can kind of justify it. Um, so they did make the playoffs next three seasons, going as far as the Eastern Conference Finals there in 2016. Um, but LeBron wasn't worried when they were no, tied 2-2. No. Uh, he wasn't worried and, about Biombo grabbing boards. And uh, <laughs> and he was pretty much proven to be right. Because do you remember how much they lost game five and six combined by? Oh, God. 85. Uh, I'll go no, a little bit high. lower. A little lower. Uh, give me a 68. Ooh, 64. Oh, they lost yeah, those wow. two games. Um, well, J.R. Smith never missed a three against Toronto. Yeah, I swear yeah, to God. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. Yeah. That's crazy. And then after that, the next two seasons, they lost to LeBron again. Swept both times. And it was like... Okay, Lauer into Rosen. They, these guys can't win it. They can't win. Something had to change. Masai Jiri pulls off the huge trade, cashing in on the broken relationship Kawhi had with the San Antonio Spurs and really pulling off a huge upset there. Remember, I think it was Chris Haynes reported when the, this, there was a potential deal going to the Raptors and Kawhi was like, I'm, I don't want to go. I'm not going. And it was kind of like, well, what's the point of even talking if, if Kawhi is going to do that? But they get the job done. Pirtle, DeRozan goes, you know, DeRozan finally the guy who's drafted by the Raptors. The fans love him. He loves the city, and they ship him off. And it's like, ah, you know, yeah. I, I guess so. Lowry was pissed when the yep. jury didn't talk to him for months. Reportedly. Exactly, uh, huge gamble, and um, you know, and also, and mainly as well because Kawhi was like he didn't want to go, and he only had one year left on his contract. But Masai went for it anyway. The bookmakers going into the season thought the Raptors would be better, but they were still fifth in preseason odds. The the Warriors, of course, clearly still the favorite. They had they were going for a three-peat there. Uh, and also, not only was Kawhi the big trade there, but Masai Jiri fires head coach Dwayne Casey, fair enough, but then replaces him with first-timer Nick Nurse. You know, unless you're a real true Raptors head, you probably didn't even know Nick Nurse was an assistant coach. But he was, and he gets to the first job, and they go out and win 58 games, uh, good enough for second in the East and second in the league overall. But for the Raptors, as the playoffs start, it felt like similar story was about to unfold. Who remembers what happened in game one against the Orlando Magic? <laughs> was this the DJ Augustine DJ game? Augustine. DJ Augustine hits the game ceiling shot, and it was just like, here we go again. You know, it's new coach, new star player, but it doesn't matter. The Raptors just find a way to just blow it in the playoffs. But Same old song. Same exactly. old song, DJ. But uh, somewhat surprisingly, the Raptors actually bounced back very quickly and douchebagged the Magic in five yep. games in that yep. series. And it was like, oh, okay. But tougher test in the second round, Philadelphia 76ers. Raptors had home court, but after three games, they were down 2-1 and almost down 3-1 in Philadelphia there in game four until Kawhi Leonard hits that big three late. 2-2, becomes 3-3. And then, of course, game seven in Toronto, Raptors led this one late. And I was like, are they going to... Are they going to win a close game? But then Jimmy Butler sort of fires up. Philadelphia come back in, and the game is tied with only a few seconds left. Raptors have the ball, and uh, wow, Kawhi gets it, runs to the other side of the court, takes a pretty low low percentage shot over Joel Embiid rising up, hangs in the air, bounces around like 50,000 times and drops down. That's like... 
wow, the Raptors, it fell their way. It yeah. fell. Things <laughs> went Toronto's way. This isn't. This doesn't happen. Usually it's the other way. I remember watching that game thinking like, Jimmy Butler's going to win this game. There's no doubt Philadelphia wins this series here. But they didn't. So quick celebration. But all that really meant was you go and face the uh, Milwaukee Bucks and uh, Giannis, who had finally really dominated. He was MVP. And after two games, I think Tassie even said on the show, the Raptors championship was beating the Philadelphia 76ers. It was like that was kind of unforeseen and they did it. And the Raptors were nearly down 3-0 in that series, a little bit like the Mavericks against the Heat in 2006. Double overtime, the Raptors pull out the victory. And then game four, they tie the series. But, Tassie, Bucks still have home court advantage. They do. 84 point four, and game five, <laughs> game five back in Milwaukee, and you thought you just thought, ah, can the Raptors do this? I don't think so. They were bad in those first two games, but they did. And then game six, wow, how much happened in game six? Skeetsy jumped on a plane. Tassie was trying to get on a plane, <laughs> uh, and the Raptors were actually. And Skeetsy, maybe you can take us a little bit inside here. In the third quarter, they were down fifteen points, and yep. it, you know. Yeah, has some pretty nervous people I'm imagining in that Raptors crowd there for that. There, there were, but I will say it was such a different Raptors team because they had Kawhi and what you had just seen in the previous series. Like he was unbelievable in the Sixers series at times and like single-handedly won them games. And that you always felt like we have him, we could pull this off. You know, we just got to get start the run. I, I I hear you. I mean, 15, and you're a Raptors fan. You're like, oh, oh my God, no, no, not this. But. I had a different attitude to myself, I'll be honest. You know, I think I was the only one to even pick the Raptors to win this series against the Bucks uh, on our show between the four of us. So I, there was some belief in me just because of Kawhi, honestly. It was yeah. like, oh, this guy's the best. And I like, think LeBron's gone, too. LeBron's yeah. not in the conference that's, anymore. That's huge. That's massive for the psyche, and we don't have to go through him. So, like, yeah, I, I, it, was, it was incredible. It was, like, probably the you know, the most fun I've ever had at a game when they won game six to go to the finals and just the, the comeback and all of that uh, and the place going crazy. But uh, yeah, it was what a, what a run. And I think the defining play is that massive left-handed dunk oh. from, from Kawhi where, where Kyle Lowry kind of bumps, uh, I think it's Giannis, he kind of gets that boost in the way yeah. and, and Kawhi comes down and jams it. And that was, was that when my, I was at that end too. I was like yeah. baseline, like up uh, in the lower bowl there. So it was at that, that basket. Oh my God, incredible. And that's so, why it was like, oh, God, they're going to the finals. This yeah. Is, this is really happening. Yeah. And, uh, and even then, I think Tassie probably said again on the show, you know what? Beating the Bucks was their championship mm-hmm. because they were going up against now the uh, looking to three-peak Golden yep. State Warriors. And the Warriors would have home court, actually. Oh, sorry, sorry, the Raptors had home court, but this was the Warriors. Now, they also got a break because Kevin Durant really didn't play in that series uh, against the Houston Rockets. He had that Achilles injury, and it was like Kevin Durant his status really was unknown. He didn't play in those first two games, but it just still felt Steph and Draymond and Clay, the experience, and it was Toronto. Something would go wrong here. There was no way the lowly Raptors could win a championship in Toronto before the Blue Jays or the Leafies. No way. Couldn't happen. Game one, they win. I was like, oh my God, the Raptors win game one. It's like, could they do this? But then this what happened? This is happens? the Raptors championship winning yeah. game one <laughs> yeah. of a playoff series. <laughs> because the game two, it was like, no, nah, the Warriors are back. They're good enough here. And then they're going out for two in uh, in Oakland. And I was out there for those two. And I was like, nah, if they get a split, if they get a split, that's absolutely massive here for the Raptors. 
Instead, they went three and four, and I was in the crowd there. I was singing O Canada. The Australians singing O Canada. I was singing you and Let's Mo Verney. Oh, me and Mo Verney and Nav Bhatia there. We were just, right. everyone was bonding. It was one of the most amazing, spine-tingling moments of my life being there for the crowd there because they were so, so enthusiastic and energetic and passionate. It was incredible. But 3-1 up. It happened recently. A team 3-1 up, and they blew it. And Kevin Durant, basically the, the Warriors were like, all right, he's coming back. Game five. And what happens? Kevin Durant looks pretty awesome. Hits a couple of three-pointers. The Warriors look pretty awesome. And it's like, oh, my God. We were all in attendance for this yes, game. Yes, we were. Intro. Yes. Uh, but then, obviously, tragedy happens there for Durant as he, as he ruptures his Achilles mm-hmm. and left the game. But the Raptors couldn't uh, fully capitalize despite holding a six-point lead late in that fourth quarter. Remember, Skeety? I remember we were there. It was like the Raptors are home. And you now- were going nuts. <laughs> I was not. Let the record show. A lot of time left. You were going insanely in the press box, as I've shared this story before. You were smacking the back. John Schumann was looking over at you like, he shouldn't be doing this here, but also it's you, it's Lee. It's like, what's he going to do? He's not going to like rat on you or anything. But uh, it looked like the building thought they were going to win that night. No doubt. It, it, they were... They were they looked like they were in the clear, and they were going to win it at home. But uh, then, what, Curry and Clay hit some threes? and <sighs> Hit some threes, and the Raptors, right back in it. the Raptors couldn't win. And it was like, yeah. oh, 3-2, and they're going to Oakland for Game 6. I mean, sure, Game 7 would be still in Toronto, but mm. you don't want a Game 7. Um, and, uh, well, what happens in Game 6? Kyle Lowry comes out on fire in that game. Uh, just so determined. Scored the first 11, didn't he? Exactly, yeah. He was incredible. But it still was like, it's the Warriors, you know, and, and then Clay late in that game, he goes out with an injury. So the Warriors, you know, they were down a few men. But the Raptors pull it off, man. They pull it off. And um, it's still, for me, it's like, it's that's a shocker. That's a big shock that all the, the history going against them, the fact that Kawhi was kind of a rental, the new coach, uh, you know, having home court down against Philadelphia, down against Milwaukee, and then facing the Warriors, the Raptors somehow pulled it off. And I do believe it is the most unlikeliest NBA champion we've ever seen because uh, it would, man, look, uh, yeah, sure, there's a little personal bias in here. I wanted to talk about this one. But did you guys, especially Trey and Tass here, uh, Skeets and uh, uh, Tass, did you guys really feel they were going to win that championship, even when they were one-one against, say, against the Golden State Warriors? Did you feel that you know it just wasn't to be? Well, no, no. I mean, the clay injury was a huge part of it too. Uh, huge. So, um, no, absolutely not. Absolutely you picked the Raps to win the finals. Me? Yeah, you did. On the show, you yeah. did. Because I remember yeah. people flipping back. Because at a certain point, it was like, Jesus, is this just destiny that the Raptors are somehow going to pull this off and win this? It's like, you know, after the Philly series, after the Bucks series. I'm, I agree with the whole injuries to, to Durant. And, and then Clay. I mean, they, they, they probably do not, the Raptors do probably not beat them if they're at their full strength. I mean, I, I don't think that's so far-fetched to say. Though, you know, Van Vliet did an awesome job. The box won on, on Curry because of those injuries to some of those other guys. Obviously slowed him down. And they played great, and they had awesome guys. And Kawhi, who was still like easily top three at that point in the league, and and then Lowry did his thing in the finals and came through. But yeah, it was no. It feels like a dream half the time. Still, our show was ending. Like, let's not yeah. forget that part where <laughs> all of that's going on at the exact same time. It's like surreal. We're flying home to Toronto, and like I'm watching Game Six in Jurassic Park. You know, going on the air immediately after. It's like it's such a whirlwind of emotions. Um, 
Yeah, they they got they got lucky when it came to injuries, like most franchises do, most mm-hmm. title champion teams do. But uh, uh, it was also it also just felt meant to be. I kept thinking it was going to be a game seven. I remember I kept saying it and saying it and saying it. In the end, they do it in six because they just kept winning in Oakland. That was the other weird part. Yeah, where they won the three games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I, I definitely just picked them because I earned it because I watched <laughs> that crap basketball for so long in Toronto because it was such a slow burn. When you talk about yeah, the what they had going against them, that's that's a huge part of it. Just that that the fact that they were there in an NBA Finals, it just felt like felt like that was enough. That was a championship. Even even having an All Star game in 2016, that almost felt like a championship. Mm. The <laughs> fact that they survived, uh, that they were still on planet Earth, uh, you know, they they were a real dinosaur just getting through every era. They were they were still there. Uh, so yeah, that was. Uh, that was probably the first series where I, I just picked who I wanted to win and not who oh, I Oh, you uh, definitely did. Who, I remember. You're like, well, this, ain't, this ain't no fun picking against my favorite team using, like, uh, reasoning. It's like, you're like, screw it. I'm picking yeah. the Raptors. Well, I can't, I mean, I can't there, remember Trey. I, I, don't, I picked I, the Raptors. What are yeah. they going to do? Cancel us? Who cares? Yeah, yeah right. I, I, I remember being the only guy going, like, yeah. oh, I, I think the Warriors. I thought somebody picked yeah. the Warriors. I couldn't yeah. remember if it was Trey or Julie. Yeah, really. yeah. Okay, yeah. Durant I mean, freaking incredible in game five. Oh, God. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, also a big part of picking the Raptors in this series, right? Yeah. Was that Kawhi looked like he had been the best player, yeah. at least in the Eastern Conference. And Kevin Durant, like we're saying, he didn't come back until yeah. game five. We didn't even know if he was going to come back at this point. But, Lee, when you said top 10 most unlikely champions, I didn't think there could be anybody else besides the Raptors to be. Because look at all of the things that had to line up. Like you said, Skeets, first thing that had to happen, LeBron had to leave the Eastern Conference True. for the first time in his career. The San Antonio Spurs had to botch a relationship with a superstar for the first time in their franchise history. He had to somehow go to the Raptors for one season only, hit a four-bounce shot on the same night of a major episode of Game of Thrones. Then Kevin Durant had to go down with an injury. Then Klay Thompson had to go down with an injury. There are many things that had to line up for the Raptors to be able to pull this off, and they did it. It's awesome. Yeah. It's... uh a great point i mean yeah i just remember even saying lebron was never leaving cleveland again too after he won the title there when he went back i was like no why would he ever leave he's never going anywhere like that one title we just said was like that's like 10 titles to him he's set you know he's never going anywhere and you're right trey goes to the lakers he leaves the conference the opening is there and uh and then i would even add to that tk like the idea of like masai ujiri sort of having the balls to break up a very good lowry derozan Mm -hmm. backcourt they're obviously like brothers and he's like well this is just, we can't just keep doing this over and over again. Sorry, one of you has to go. And uh, we're moving to Rosen. Like, even well, that and, is pretty well. added to that, remember, mid-season, uh, he got rid of Valanciunas as well for Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol yeah. is crazy good yeah. in, the, uh, yeah. in the postseason run. And especially you know, in the finals, hitting threes for the rap. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, wild. Wild. Yeah. Wild, wild stuff. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you want to do the science on this one? Or yeah, you, do, you know do it very quickly yeah. here. Okay, yeah, up. yeah. So, uh, franchise history, you know, look, not we'll a... Not a I do science. Let's do the science real quick. Yeah, the three, the three points three. here. Because uh, yeah. there's no real need for Larry O'Brien to get a uh, passport before that season. Uh, <laughs> preseason feel. Again, a legit shot at winning it all. The Kawhi trade was nice, but it was the Raptors. I say no. I say okay. no. Give them three points okay. there. Uh, obstacles they had to overcome. Uh, well, they looked dead in the playoffs a couple of times against Philadelphia. Maybe not dead against Philadelphia, but in trouble. And against Milwaukee, they definitely looked dead. Yeah, down, down but then they get, they get lucky, of course, with the injuries in the finals. So they where do, do you go they here? They do. 
Uh, I gave him a two points for that. Yeah, okay. Uh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, the star power. Uh, this one I gave a two. They had the one franchise ultra. Kawhi was a legit star. Yep. Kyle had some playoff demons, and Pascal yep. was great, but that was a that was gravy, really, with Pascal being as good as he was. So I gave him two oh points Oh, my God. There we were it. getting graphics that were showing Kawhi and Pascal Siakam basically doing, like, Jordan Pippen-type numbers. Remember yeah. that? Like, going around, like, what the hell? Siakam and Kawhi are, like, being, like, compared numbers-wise, of course, in, like, a postseason and a, and a finals run to uh, MJ and Pip. That's amazing. And then playoff difficulty. I also gave them a three for this, even though three of their four series, they had a home court advantage. But that one big one, the conference finals uh, against the Bucks, they were on the road and they had to win that huge game five. And also for what they did in the finals, winning all three games on the road. Uh, and they won game six and they closed it out there. And also just to give them an extra point so they would be the team with the most oh, points, therefore nice. proving the science to be correct. <laughs> yeah, it was nice that the Raps generally in most of the series uh, through game one, oh, yeah. like they are like they like to do in their franchise history. So yeah. that was good. You know, they didn't do it in the finals, of course. But, no, that, and Philadelphia, I think they beat Philadelphia yeah, in game one. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Orlando and Milwaukee, they lost. Also, the Gasol signing is huge too, just for basically shutting down Embiid. Mm-hmm. Or at least mm-hmm. slowing Embiid. Is, and so maybe were the... Uh, didn't he get the runs or something yeah. like that, too, in that series? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah, actually that? true. Yeah, I remember that. I had the same thing happen on one of the episodes. But, I mean, throw this into the unlikely. Fred Van, v- Van Vliet becoming an incredible player yeah. during that playoff run. Remember how brutal he was? Against Philly. Yeah, against yes. Philadelphia. And then the story was his wife had their second child, had a son. Yeah. Fred Van Vliet cannot miss. The guy was undrafted. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. that's even to become a starting point guard yeah. for a team in the playoffs in the NBA as an undrafted player. That's unlikely. To, to getting a finals MVP vote from <laughs> Yeah. Uh, a hell of a glow up. All right. So the Raptors um. on your list, Lily. My man, no wonder this took you so long to put together. You did some work there, <laughs> digging deep, making this oh, list, coming man. up with your categories, contemplating uh, how you were going to score them. Yeah. I feel like you watched every NBA playoff game since 1987 on YouTube to come up with this. Ah, oh, man, I did spend a lot of time because YouTube, you know, it's figured me out. The algorithms know me inside and out now. <laughs> You know, there's always it's karate this, kid and, ah, uh, exactly there was a there was an eight minute um, Akeem Olajuwon defending Shaquille O'Neal in game one of the 95 finals like I'm not watching it I'm not watching it <laughs> sure enough I'm watching that yeah. one yeah. <laughs> good, good okay uh, Lee do you have the, the list like just the teams just yes. to, uh, to wrap this up oh uh, yes I do yes if you want to go 10 through 1 again okay. as the top 10 most unlikeliest NBA champions from Lee's lifetime, at least. Okay. At number 10, it's the 1988 Los Angeles Lakers. Okay. At number nine, it's the 1999 San Antonio Spurs. At number eight, it's the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers. Number seven is the 1994 Houston Rockets. Number six is the 2006 Miami Heat. Number five is the 2015 Golden State Warriors. Number four is the 2004 Detroit Pistons. Number three is the 2011 Dallas Mavericks. Number two is the 1995 Houston Rockets. And number one is the 2019 Toronto Raptors. Yeah, baby. All right. (laughs) There is Lee's list. Unbelievable job, Lee. Do you agree or disagree? (laughs) Let us know in the YouTube comments below the vid. You can tweet at us at No Dunks Inc. That's I-N-C. You can tweet at Lee Ellis if you want. At 
Lee Ellis, that's L-E-I-G-H, Ellis, if you want to do that as well. Send in an email, nodunks at theathletic.com. Let Lee hear it. Did you like the list? Did you have a problem with his scoring system? <laughs> Some of his biases sneaking in there? Uh, let us know. Yeah, send in an email. Great job, Lee. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. I always enjoy you taking us through old playoff series <laughs> and what happened in game three and the storyline heading into game four. You're like Bob Costas setting up the narrative <laughs> for every game and series. Uh, unbelievable job. So yeah, send in your emails, guys. Lots more No Dunks coming your way throughout the summer. If you haven't, subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Really help us out. Go to nodunks.com. Get your No Dunks merch. And if you want to get yourself a subscription to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash nodunks so they know that we sent you. Uh, JD, we didn't talk about this in advance. I guess we're going to go to the Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Uh, Lee, we didn't talk about this in advance, but you've got to have a quote from uh, something, something that's memorable from your past 30 years of basketball adoration. Thanks for joining us. And remember, never underestimate the heart of a champion. (laughs) Brace the day, people. You could stay ooh, every day, and I'd be happy every minute. It's been so long, but you're the one I've waited for. It's happened already. It's gonna be groovy. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.